Part 1, Chapter 7 of Life in Lillian Gish. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andrea K. Life in Lillian Gish by Albert Bigelow Payne. Part 1, Chapter 7 Mary Pickford in the Scene. At the apartment, Dorothy found her family considerably increased. A very nice lady was there. Also two girls, somewhat older than herself, named Gladys and Lottie, and a boy about her own age, named Jack, who fell in love with her at sight. Their names were Smith, some day to become Pickford, which is a later story. It had come about in this wise. Lillian's Aunt Alice Niles had severed her engagement with the Convict Stripes Company, and had written to say that she would leave it at Buffalo and come to New York. The season was not ended, but Mrs. Gish, not wishing to leave Lillian with a stranger, wired Miss Niles to bring her in. The manager of the company, remembering that young Gladys Smith had played the part in Toronto, where the play had been called The Little Red Schoolhouse, promptly arranged to have Gladys join the company in Buffalo. Mrs. Smith decided to bring all the children to Buffalo, and after getting Gladys established, to keep on with the other two to New York. The meeting between the two little girls, destined to become world stars, was neither formal nor memorable. More than twenty years later, in an article in Photoplay, Mary Pickford wrote, Neither of us, I am sure, remembers our first meeting. We were too young to be impressed by the event. I do recall a fleeting glimpse of Lillian when I went to Buffalo from Toronto to take the part of little Mabel Payne that she had been playing in Hal Reed's famous old melodrama, The Little Red Schoolhouse. Lillian was just leaving the theater as I came in, and we waved. She could not stop to talk, because she was being whisked away to catch a train for New York. Lillian and Mary. How little either of them guessed, that day, that within no more than a dozen years, the names and faces of those little yellow-haired, waving girls would be familiar and beloved in the world's far corners. Alice Niles and Lillian rode with Mrs. Smith and Lottie and Jack to New York. Lillian's mother, at the train to meet her, took them all to her apartment, established Mrs. Smith and her children there for as long as they would stay, a kindness which Mrs. Smith, a stranger in New York, never forgot. Mrs. Gish, by this time quite a professional, also introduced her to theatrical agencies with a view to future engagements. In a word, they joined forces. And thus began an association which was to last many years and become historic in the theatrical world. Whether Lillian went out again that season may only be surmised. At some time in the days of her beginning, she had a little willy part in another East Lynn company, Mabel Penix, and long preserved the little trousers she wore. It was a brief engagement, and she had no clear picture of it later. She seems to remember that, like Dorothy, she went to sleep one night and rolled off the little bench during Madame Vine's long scene, but this is most likely a confusion. Lillian would be too conscientious and well-trained to do a thing like that, even in her sleep. 
The end of the dramatic season found two mothers, four girls, and a boy in the Gish flat, a combination that at times could produce something resembling a riot. They were a happy family. They went in for two things, peace and economy. Lillian's influence had much to do with the former, her unearthly beauty and gentleness. Mrs. Smith told her children that she looked like an angel dropped out of heaven, and with the old Irish superstition that the good die young, they expected any moment to see a long arm reach out of the sky and take her home. Gladys, especially, refused to be left entirely alone with her, fearing it might happen at such a time. Certainly she was not always melancholy. Life was a serious matter. From the beginning, apparently, she had known that. Also, that heaven was indeed a desirable place to go to, to wake up in, some morning, quite soon. Yet she enjoyed the company of the others, especially when they went on little excursions. Once, at least, they all went to the theater. Mary, in her article, tells of this. What fun we youngsters had! Never will I forget the day we went to the American Theater on 8th Avenue near 42nd Street. At that time, the American was one of the important legitimate theaters. Now it is a picture house, I think. A Shakespearean play was on. I cannot recall its name, but it seems to me that it was King Lear. At any rate, it was very heavy and tragic, and we all sat in a row, looking very important and pretending to understand every word. I remember how I went up to the manager in a very sober and dignified manner and presented my card, saying, Do you recognize the profession? There we were, five of us, Lillian, Dorothy, Lottie, Jack, and I. And to the manager we must have looked very much like the family of the old mother goose lady who lived in the shoe. He smiled amusedly and assured us that he most certainly did recognize the profession, adding, Have you got ten cents apiece for the actor's fund? This threw us into a near panic, for a hasty survey of our resources disclosed that among all of us we had only eight pennies, and one had a hole in it. The manager, however, finally relented and passed us in, telling us that we could give him the money for the actor's fund some other time. What a task it was to pay that debt! For weeks and weeks, it seemed, we were running to that box office every time we had saved a few pennies. The combined housekeeping made for economy, and here, too, Gladys Smith was a leader and a force. Even the mothers listened to her advice. On the kitchen table, at night, with a grubby little pencil and a scrap of paper, she audited the accounts. Those were very meager, but really very happy days. When Mrs. Smith was called to Toronto by her mother's failing health, Mary remained undisputed head of the Smith family, and dealt out counsel, rewards, even punishments, with a fair but firm hand. End of Part 1, Chapter 7 Recording by Andrea Kay